Monica Michelle with Explicitly Sick on the Invisible Not Broken Network. And this podcast is going to be all about just chatting about life with disability and chronic illness. I'll be interviewing authors and artists and business owners and people just with different disabilities. Oh my gosh. It's It's been been forever since we've gotten to talk. I think about a year, actually. Like No. So you're sheltering in place in Arizona. So you're back home. Is that? I'm actually, I was back home. I'm from Jersey. I I grew up in Jersey rather, but I came here last Wednesday. My aunt and uncle live out here and yeah, I just, you know how it is with family. You spend too much time with family and just too much, too much of anything is like, it's not a good thing. So. I, I feel really lucky that I have not, not gotten into the parameters of being sick of my family yet, but it's not, I mean, I'm the, the adult in the family. So that, that makes it easier when you're the one in charge. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So we decided not to start on anything light on our first interview back. Um, <laughs> you came to me with a, a really great topic that I couldn't resist covering, but uh, definitely not going to be light. So I, I, I might end up crying. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I will be emotional. <laughs> I specifically did not wear mascara. Me either. Yeah. For that reason. No, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not out of laziness or anything. I'm not, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, partly laziness, but definitely I did not want to be raccooning. Um, so we're doing um, sexual assault is the, the topic yeah. of the day. And also how it can impact, I guess, like the repercussions of sexual assault. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's like with both of our disorders, that's one of the the things that they say can not necessarily cause, but definitely they see a, a, a line through us with fibromyalgia. They have a tremendous amount of people who who had sexual assault as children. It's through any sickness, I think. The more I learn about health, like, you know, psychological, physical, they're both so um, <clears throat> intertwined. And I just wish our society was more educated about everything that's that's useful. You know, like this is such useful information and we don't talk about it. Um, so that's why I wanted to talk about this topic because I feel like there's definitely a gap in terms of, yeah, the, I guess, education or the information that's easily accessible to the general population about this topic. Um, and about the repercussions, the negative repercussions of sexual assault specifically. Um, and hopefully, I feel like if, I mean, maybe not, but hopefully I felt like if, you know, education tends to, tends to lead to progress. Um, and I was kind of putting my acting hat on and thinking about, um, any of the perpetrators of, you know, in in these scenarios and maybe thinking that they don't have a full grasp of, you know, the act that they're partaking in. And maybe (laughs) this was my hope of um, maybe if they did and they were a bit more informed, then they would think twice about acting on it. You know what I mean? Like there is a lot of ignorance in any kind of 
criminal activity or um and I don't I mean I was just trying to be hopeful and thinking in that way because like because people I feel like you don't understand it unless it's something that you've gone through and then if you start reading about um if you start reading about any kind of health book probably it'll touch on the subject of sexual assault just because it is so ingrained in every illness unfortunately um so yeah I feel like I'm I'm uh I hope I'm making sense but yeah um that was just my hope it's a beautiful hope I love the I love that idea I I'm a little um well, first, I just want to say, if this is something that you're experiencing currently right now, or if you need past help, we do have, um, if you should go to show notes at the very top, I'm going to have the number for RAIN. And then also, um, of course, like, I, I don't know about you, Jackie, but I certainly had some some very dark suicidal tendencies uh, during those times. So I will also have the suicide support numbers at the very top. So if you are in need of help, or if at any point this is like, you know, I feel like trauma is like grief it's these like huge waves that come up and they pull you under for a long time and then they get further apart. But there are some sneaky ass undertoes that just come up with trauma and grief that just unexpectedly pull you. So if you are feeling those pulls, please, I I will have um, things in the show notes right at the very top. Uh, The only thing that like, I I would love to hope that too, because so much of our media is, um, I don't want to say romanticizing, but sexualizing sexual assault. Like if you see sexual assault on a TV show, it's, it's always done pretty, like weirdly pretty. And it's like these, these pushes that it's not, it's not that um, bad to do to someone. And then you have like, there's that, um, that study that was done where they talked to men who were catcalling women and the men were like, Hey, they appreciate it. You know, I grab them on the the ass, and then they're like, they know they're the hottest girl in their group. And women were like, no, 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 um, we don't like it. I'm specifically telling you, we don't like it. And they're like, no, 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 you do. So I'm just, I'm always like, you know, I would love to think that if someone hears that this is traumatic, but I think there's so much ingrained in the culture that that they don't even believe what we say. Well, yeah, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. Uh, I mean. I don't know if we're talking about women here or just anyone in general. In anyone. Of- I think we are absolutely like sexual assault is like anyone on the planet has, yeah. can be, um, has, you know, it's been touched. For, for catcalling specifically, I know that I had a former boss or, well, probably just because of the scenario former, but we've, we've stayed in touch. Um, a long-term boss who actually has, kind of said the opposite of what you're saying, um, just because she likes the attention of being catcalled and she doesn't look at it in a negative light. However, you know, the topic of sexual abuse or anything, of course. Um, but I don't think there is, yeah, I don't think there is a, a pro <laughs> with being <laughs> abused ever. No. Um, and- cat called like my biggest trauma not biggest trauma but like the trauma that I can remember first is being 12 and walking down a street and having grown men yell what they want to do to me as I was walking and I feel like cat calling you know okay if someone likes that don't don't make that so that, like everyone has to deal with that shit because that's um no one who's cat calling thinks you're going to get 
a date or, you know, a partner out of this. Like that is specifically like a violent act to make people feel unsafe being out. Like that, that made me feel so unsafe walking anywhere, being on a street anywhere. It would happen all the time when I was growing up, like walking anywhere was like terrifying because of the very vile things that would be shouted. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it, yeah, it can definitely make, it can definitely make you uncomfortable. Um, absolutely. I don't understand why people, anytime anyone just like assumes that they have the power to, I don't know, like interrupt your day, you know, like it's, you're essentially like raping our time just by assuming that, we, you know, we have to engage in this behavior when we're merely trying to walk down the street. Um, that's how I feel about it sometimes. Um, I can see her, perspe- her perspective when it's not, when it's a little bit more innocent and not, um, but maybe that's where the confusion lies. Like if for any attacker, I guess, if, if that's the word to use, if there are scenarios where people are seeing yeah, uh, positive reactions to that kind of attention, and maybe it just um, amplifies, you know? I mean, it doesn't make it okay, but I'm, I'm trying to get a grasp of understanding. <clears throat> but that's the thing, is we're all trying to get a grasp, and we're not a hive mind. Like, you know, owners of ovaries, ovaries of tes- owners of testicles, like, none of us are a hive mind. We all have have different things, but you made a great point about, like, what do we owe? Like, do I owe someone my time? Do I owe someone my attention just because I'm sitting by myself or because I was walking by myself? Like, do I owe that? You know, do you have the right to like insert yourself into someone else's life? And even now I feel like that, well, right now that's probably happening less in a physical sense, just because of the state of the world right now. Um, You know, everyone's just out less, especially in New York where I feel like catcalling happens the most or cities and things like that. But because of the age of the digital age and social media that happens or similar events like that happen um, via social media and via Instagram, via Facebook and all these things, um, especially the more visible you are. Like I recently have been gaining either more fans or just like a stronger engagement with my fans online, um, which is overall positive, but it has been very frustrating because I've had to deal with, I guess we could kind of, we could kind of call it, um, it's akin to catcalling really. It's like social media catcalling, you know? Um, And it's really frustrating. Actually, it's very, very frustrating. It's really hurtful and angering. Um, Like I'll have, I'll have a couple of guys, yeah, I'll have people send me, like, dick pics or, like, ask me for nude photos. I had somebody text me an entirely nude photo, and I'm like, how did this person get my number? <laughs> that was last week. Um, and That's scary, because if they can get your number, they can get other information about it's, you. It's really scary. I mean, I blocked them, and I blocked everybody else who was treating me with, like, that kind of disrespect. That's just blatant disrespect. I don't, there's really nothing else to, to say about that, but it's just sad. I feel like even though this is not a gender specific issue, it definitely stems from a lot of 
the way that our society does view gender because it is more female-centric typically. Um, I can't speak for the LGBTQ community um, or really everyone as a whole, but I think statistically it is. It has but, I mean, you and I are just talking about our personal experiences <laughs> and our personal feelings. I mean, that's the, anyone who's listening to this, like that's, that's literally all we're talking about right now is how yeah. we personally feel because I can't speak for anyone else. Yeah. I've personally been trying to be, to be more of an advocate um, whenever these situations come up, just because I've, I'm confused. <laughs> you know, um, I, th- I think I posted about it. I mean, I shared it with some friends just because I had to get some kind of emotional support after a situation like that, um, especially during a time like now when everyone is everyone's mental health for the most part has been more affected too. So we're all a little Mm. bit more vulnerable and like, we just don't need that, (laughs) you know? Um, And it's also, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was saying it's also frustrating for me for if these are my fans, it's like, I feel like I have a responsibility to help educate or to maybe, um, What's the word? I guess, like, act differently on social media, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, is it my fault? But I don't. I feel like that's what happens in a lot of these. Like, I don't think it is our fault. <laughs> um, I have a pretty. I'm not like overtly sexual. There are maybe some more sexualized photos, but I'm not overtly sexual on social media by any means. And like, that's. A problem for that a lot of people have is like feeling shameful for having been on the receiving end of um, situations like this. <clears throat> someone once said that um, rape is as much to do with sex as hitting someone over the head with a pan is to do with cooking, and I think that um, that's really true. Like, it's not about how you portray yourself. Like, you should be able to walk into a room without a top, and just like men who are able to walk around without a shirt you shouldn't be treated any differently. Like it is a matter of someone feeling like they should have access to you or that they need to check you, that you need to be silenced or you need to behave in a certain arbitrary way. And that's about control. That's not about you did something wrong. That's someone wanting to control your space, your words, your image. It's completely about control and power. You know, it's, it's completely about all of that. And that's why, um, what I think we had originally been talking, we were originally talking about talking about eating disorders and addiction, right? And mm-hmm. all those illnesses stem from an inability of feeling out of control and an inability, you know, feeling rendered powerless by their circumstances, typically. Yeah. Um, and less about for eating disorders, you know, like what you look like in the mirror or, um, yeah, it really is all about control. And so that's why they're, from my experience and I have, from what I've read, have, have just been so, um, they can like easily coexist, I guess, you know, sexually, um, or, yeah, I'm not sure the word to use, but I guess like, I guess, yeah, I think sexual assault can definitely cause eating disorder and addiction issues as well. I started dieting at eight. I was sexually assaulted when I was five. And I can tell you right now how like meshed those two things were because um, I started developing really early. 
So I wanted to look like my friends who were all skinny and like rulers. They were little will-o'-the-wisps. And um, I felt like they were safer because I got boobs. And then all of a sudden grown men were paying attention to me in a way I was not okay with. And I was still very traumatized for something that I didn't even have the right words for. So I was trying to make myself into a girl again, into a girl's body again by restricting my food. And that went all the way through like my 20s, I think was when I finally stopped like restricting my calorie intake. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about that experience. Um, I cannot even imagine like being that young and having to undergo that. That's terrifying. Um, Fiona Apple definitely speaks about the same thing, exactly what you're saying. And she's naturally not a voluptuous woman. So that's just, it it really goes to show how, um, I guess, how, yeah, detrimental these situations can be and the intense impact of them, you know, because she is naturally more a very lean woman. So for someone to stop eating in the hopes of becoming less feminine and becoming less of um, a target, then, you know, it's, really bad yeah I mean there's a lot that we we decide denotes consent from what someone wears that their clothing has more of a say of yes or no than their words um for me it was a body type had more to say than my words because I mean I was a 36 24 36 from like junior high through high school and um I could wear a t-shirt and jeans and I was still a target where, you know, my friends would have to wear like, you know, like really tiny stuff before they got that level of of focus. And they very much decided what my reputation was, was based on my chest size. Um, So it was was a very, very weird thing. And I I grew up with the baby got back became the big song in, in my high school years. And so every time I'd walk into a room, a whole chorus would start when I'd walk in. Wow. Um, Yeah. So when I'd say something was bad or something happened, I wasn't believed because I already had this reputation for what I was willing to do or not willing to do that had nothing to do with my actions or my words. Jeez, (laughs) that's horrible. Um, I mean, that sounds that's essentially bullying, you know, that's especially like a whole group of people going against you and telling you what telling you who you are and what you believe in what you think or how you act that's just including my family like my mom would be like you can't go out of the house dressed like this and I was like but it's a t-shirt and jeans but people will think this about you but it's a t-shirt and jeans (laughs) like what am I supposed to wear I can't for the rest of your life like what are you supposed to wear yeah Yeah. it was very like you know what you're saying like you're like well what if I do a picture what if I like to enjoy my my body and how it looks like then does that mean that I've signed up for for this do I have to live a blameless life so people believe what I say like there's there's so much thought that goes into even the most innocuous decision of which lipstick color will say something (laughs) like right yeah um I mean, personally, I think, no, I think, (laughs) I think, no, you're definitely not responsible for how (laughs) other people perceive you. Um, and that, yeah, especially if you're, if you're just 
Yeah, I mean, I think you and I both agree, like, your words are what should denote consent, but it's also about, you know, who will believe you when something bad happens? Like, what does society feel like your treatment should be based on, on arbitrary things? Yeah, I think this is, yeah, there's just a lot of ignorance, and there's just a lot of ignorance. Even, um... This is going, I, I don't know if anyone's talked about this before, but the, I didn't even have, or may, maybe this is just a reflection of how powerless women are in our society, but the first time I actually slept with someone, I didn't know that I had the ability to tell them no. I don't know, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that, but I was, oh my I, God. I, both of the t- and this was the same person who then did sexually assault me after because then I didn't then did realize, okay, I, I do have a say in this matter. But both scenarios were um, because I was in such a vulnerable position emotionally and just everything. My circumstances were very vulnerable and that's what really triggered the scenario because I know if I was in a similar situation right now, I don't think I would let, I don't think, I don't think that would happen. I don't think I would be put in that situation because I'm, I've become, you know, more confident and more aware, you know, I'm less naive, but as like a teenager, <laughs> when you're just hanging out with the guy who's for this, this was actually a family friend, but I had no idea that I could say no, which is <laughs> ridiculous. That that's such like a huge thing. That's not in our, our sex ed classes is consent. I didn't know that either. I, I honestly can tell you, I had no idea that I was able to say no until I, I don't even I wouldn't even know how, if I was dating, like how, how that would even happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I can't really even, I, I, I don't even know why that is, that is the way it is. I'm sure if, if we're, if we're both, if we both felt like that, we can't be the only ones. No. Um, and I know a lot of people who like have told me about their first times and it's like, I know another word for what happened there. Like that's, that's not a, that doesn't sound like a loving or respectful first time or even a consensual first time. Like it just seems like it was a less violent option to just go. Okay. Yeah. Um, or not even go. Okay. But you just don't say anything at all. You know, it's it's neutral. Okay. Well, this is what we're doing now. I mean, the Assis Anasari thing that came up, I thought was one of the most important discussions we've had in the United States, that it's not about the no, it's about the enthusiastic yes. That's really helpful. That's a very mm-hmm. helpful message. Absolutely. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully his followers um, heed his advice there. <clears throat> he did a, a comedy special after, after that whole thing hit. And it was, I've never cried in a comedy special before. It was, um, if anyone wants to know how you actually apologize for things or how you learn from a behavior, that is one of the best things to watch on how you, you grow from something that you did that was not good. We've all done things that were not, not okay with having done. And that was such a good roadmap for, for how you grow from something. But yeah, that was, that was really it was beautiful and heartbreaking, but it's a good conversation we need to have, that it's not about watching for a no. It's that someone should be so enthusiastic, you, there's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, again, in our society where it is women apologize more and 
have a harder time saying no just in general. Um, and I know this is not just a female oriented matter, um, but yeah, it, it does, it does happen to more women, I think, or at least what's been recorded. So. <clears throat> So how do you think that this affected you, um, your, your life trajectory, your health, your mental health? Um, in so many ways. I mean, I, it definitely, it definitely triggered the eating disorder and a feeling of powerlessness that I continue to have or continue to struggle with, not on a, not a consistent level, but, um, in my more vulnerable moments, I think it's, made me more prone to severe anxiety. So anytime there is um, the possibility of an attack, not just, not a sexual attack or physical, physical attack, but any kind of attack, you know, like we have, we live with like a, a German, or I'm staying with um, family right now who has a German shepherd that's been trained to protect and, you know, attack. Um, so anytime, like, that's been really hard to transition and not feel just um, intense anxiety anytime I'm with that dog. Um, but yeah, there's really any kind of conflict. I think it's, it just made me more vulnerable to a lot of fear and anxiety and made it really difficult to trust anyone. It's made it hard to have healthy romantic relationships it was really hard to have sex again actually um I was I think I don't think I've been formally diagnosed with PTSD but I guess in the last I just finished a book called True Feels um which touches a lot about sexual assault and each chakra I guess that some like an it's not just about that but it touches um about sexual assault and how it impacts each chakra of your body, which I think is really fascinating um, and helpful because I, I'm interested in alternative medicine. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's made, yeah, it's, it's just made everything a lot harder than it needs to be. <laughs> um, and I guess, there's a dichotomy, I think, because in some ways it's made me so much more vulnerable, but in so many other ways, or in another way, it's made me really fucking strong. Um, and more prone to standing up for myself in any situation that I, there's any kind of an inclination of a threat, you know? So that might be the only like silver lining I'd say. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I also, I have chronic fatigue and I, I think it probably has um, made that like made that worse or made that reappear because I had it when I was younger and then it kind of, I had it under control and then it, it reappeared to a very severe level where I was only able to work like part-time um, a few years ago. And it's still definitely, like I definitely require more sleep than the average person. Um, so yeah, it's, there are probably other ways. Those are, I'd say the main ways that I can think of. <clears throat> How do you think it's affected your art, your music? Um, 
Well, initially, I think it made me have more victim stance. It made me very fearful of men. Um, and it made me very isolated. So in a lot of like my earlier work, I think all of that is very present. Um, yeah, it, it makes people very isolated, I think, too, just artistically or otherwise, because even um, anything, it's become so prevalent, unfortunately. Like, I have a lot of friends that I could talk to and like, oh yeah, that happened to me. Like, it's wild and devastating that that's become so common. Um, but at the same time, it is isolating because it's something that not everyone experiences, thank God. Um, and something that is very uncomfortable and outside, I guess, of the normative narrative of what people expect to happen in their lifetime. and anything that's outside of the normative narrative that makes someone feel like they belong in this world of other, that's very isolating and can be damaging because then you feel very alone. Like I remember trying to tell my brother after one of these events happened and immediately, you know, didn't like it was, his reaction was complete disbelief and it was also kind of putting the blame on me and I love my brother. Um, but that's just how a lot of people react, you know what I mean? Or even um, recently I was home and my, somehow, uh, who was it? The Harvey Weinstein scenario came up um, and I mentioned how happy I was that he was finally receiving punishment for all of his cases of sexual assault. Um, and I was really hurt and frustrated that my mom my mom's reaction was kind of towards the women and she was like oh well he probably went out with all these women in the entertainment industry and they knew what they were getting themselves into and they just wanted to get ahead and I was like what <laughs> like are you serious I was like and like it's just it's very sad because I'm like mom I've been sexually assaulted twice <laughs> like like by two different people and that's not a, you know I know people who've been repeatedly I can't even imagine what a life like that would be like um but by two different people and I don't think and both of them were young and both of them were actually living with their parents at the time so it's like I don't know but I've I've gone out with I've gone out with one older person not as old as Harvey Weinstein but like one older person in LA and I just don't feel like I was going into that situation expecting to be raped or like expecting to sleep with that person just because I went out with them. Um, and it's also like, you don't know what, you don't know how all these women were, like how naive they were or how much they were drinking that night or if they were drugged or, you know, like anything, you don't know any of the details of these events to make some kind of a ignorant accusation like that. Um, and put the blame on the victim. It's just really sad. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, those are really like two people in my immediate family who I love because they're my family, but they're, it, I mean, I personally feel isolated because I have to explain and have to, 
you know, I have to explain and try to get them to change their perspective because of really a lack of general education about all of this. <clears throat> there's, there's something to this idea that there's a price to admission to jobs that are coveted, like musician or actress or writer or, you know, go through the list or director of um, that the way that you even could get ahead, like that taking advantage of a position of power is its own issue. That's yeah. There's a, there's a reason that like even quote unquote consensual relationships are still considered um, sexual assault is because of a power inequality and that um, a person who is, not on equal power standing cannot be able to consent, which is why we have age restrictions. Like a 13 year old cannot consent. It's not possible. There's too much of a power switch. They, they are not able to make that decision. Uh, prison guards and prisoners cannot have a consensual relationship because of the power inequality. Um, therapists cannot have a consensual relationship with their, with their, um, their therapy i can't think today i'm sorry um but because of the power inequality that removes consent and when if that's like the only way into an industry that is everything you want to be in that, that removes an issue of legally all those scenarios that you wow i did not know that i mean at least I as far as i'm concerned like legally is like either like by their board where they would get um, taken um, like for therapy. I don't know if it would be a criminal charge, but I do know that you would be your your license would be revoked. That makes sense. I mean, for the like a young teenager, that absolutely makes sense. I honestly feel like it should be older than what stage of consent sixteen, eighteen. I don't. It know, depends 18? on what state you're in. So some states are as low as fourteen or thirteen, and wow. um, that is just. Uh, I have a 13 year old um that breaks me that we have child marriages breaks me um that in some countries the age of consent is as low as 12 that breaks me because that is not ever benefiting the young person ever you're not even you're not even developed at that age for the most part I don't think I I didn't have I think I was maybe just getting my period when I was like 12 13 like you're not developed so yeah what I'm, I'm just trying to say is that when you have like a power inequality that's its own that's its own thing and also who has ownership over your body that's something we've been talking a lot about in our house about like who has the ownership so like when someone is siri um i don't know how to i do not know how to delete siri like it's driving me nuts every time i'm talking she's like hi let me help no don't help stop um <laughs> My dad and I are watching Outlander right now together. That's our, our father-daughter way of staying in touch during this. And he and I were talking about, like, the idea of not just consent, but who gets to consent. So, like, where Jamie gets really upset about, like, anyone talking about Claire or trying to touch Claire, but it's like, she's my wife. It's not that I don't want her hurt. It's that no one should hurt my property. And then you get into this question of, are we just consumables as owners of ovaries? Are we just, you know, I remember my dad getting very upset that anyone would like say anything about me or try to touch me, but it was like, I know he really cared about me. He didn't want me hurt, but some of it was no one touches my daughter. Yeah. And then it was the boyfriends. You can't say that about my girl. Right. Um, yeah. And that even extends to just 
yeah, you're right. That does extend to a lot of ownership. And that's why I feel like, um, I mean, I have ex-boyfriends who are upset if like their friends come on to me or whatever, but like, they don't want to be with me. And it's like, it's probably because of that. It's not because, I mean, hopefully it's because they care um, about maybe the way I'm being treated, but it's, it's also like, oh no, because that was like my girlfriend, my property, you know? Yeah. Um, unconsciously, that's probably is a little bit what's going on. Um, and yeah, that's all about ego. I don't know. I feel like it's always going to be a power. Oh, there's always going to be some kind of an, a power imbalance. You know, it's never going to be equally. But why is that? Because women are still making, you know, uh, however many cents to the dollar that a man does. So it's just never going to be, maybe not never. That's, that's not, that's not helpful. But right now it's not, yeah, we're not on an equal playing field. What I find interesting is how much we check each other. Like so much of the violence, um, I don't see a lot of men checking each other. Like in Hollywood, you don't see like, there wasn't a lot of guys who were going, you know, to Harvey Weinstein going, no, mm -mm, you got to stop this. Absolutely not. Uh, But women, we check each other all the time on our clothing, on (laughs) our behavior. Like I think that um, one of the ways to get to a more equal playing field would be to be more supportive of each other and to stop checking each other. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, I think it all stems from the patriarchy really is, you know, is exactly what you're saying. It's because he's a man in a position of power and everyone else is, I guess why women have issues with other women, especially in entertainment. Um, is because they're competition and it's just so overtly competitive and yeah it's it's like we all have to there's some kind of um unsaid rule about having to comply to the rules of patriarchy and look and act and sound like what i guess like a white male wants us to do you know um I make, I actively go against that in any opportunity that I can, you know, any opportunity that presents itself. Um, Because it can be, it can be, there are just so many levels to that. It could be relatively harmless, just like a, like a comment about, oh, like you should dress like this or look like this or, yeah, like even, even to the level of like, oh, like maybe you should, maybe you should not exercise as much because men like curvier girls and I'm like since when did I start living my like when since when did I start living my life for another human being outside of myself like I I do whatever I want for myself to make me happy and long term and that's actually something that I really struggled with my eating disorder because I, I used to be a competitive gymnast and I was really muscular I'm I have just like a naturally like metamorphic body type um just naturally so I build muscle really easily and it made me very insecure at that time um because yeah because it made me feel very like I felt very masculine um and now I 
wish I had a little bit more of that muscle because it's healthy for me, you know, it's healthy to work out. It's, um, in my opinion, it is more aesthetically pleasing too. And also because I'm more aware that any gender has a combination of masculinity and femininity. So it doesn't, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, those are just a few reasons, but yeah, for, for, for someone to tell you that you shouldn't be working out because that they can, I don't know. <laughs> it just goes back to, it goes, goes back to power. Okay. So you don't want me to be healthy. So exercise can help you in any sing, any illness that I'm aware of, you know, like you're less, if you get cancer or whatever, and you've had a very active life, you're more likely to rebound and cover any, I think that's, that's probably the case for every single, you know, like, um, chest pain or like your heart or anything like that like run it's just so you're telling so you don't want me to be healthy healthy like you want me you want to keep me down this to this level really um because of vanity like because of vanity and power it's yeah um yeah we do have as women have to um support each other more and it's i guess a matter of baby steps i do have friends who are creating more communities, like online communities for women to support women and collaborate more and have been seeing a lot more of that. So that's really helpful and definitely a step in the right direction. Mm. Someone had a thing that was, uh, said, um, my life was not an audition to be your wife. And I think that's like, it's such a thing on like, not just like for marriage, but like that we're, we're always auditioning for something. I feel like we're always on a stage being judged and weighed and measured, but not, not on the things that actually like matter, not on our agency, not on our, our creativity, not on our souls, um, but on things that are, are very superfluous. And also the idea that we're damaged if we were raped or sexually assaulted. I know that's something that I felt pretty heavily because I was so young when it happened and it happened many times as I was growing up. So I felt very, very uh, damaged or used goods. And that was something that was used a lot in the like, um, pro abstinence training was like <laughs> you sh if someone uses you you're used you're not you're not as good as someone who wasn't used no matter you know what happened and that was <laughs> that really was internalized did you grow up in a religious like, um family so ish um extended family very religious my parents are hippies so not there but there was there was a lot of you know my dad is a wonderful wonderful man but there was a lot of you know he was not trained in feminism until my mom really <laughs> worked with him um and he's definitely come a long way but there was there was a lot there that you know was hard and then there's medical gaslighting so my mom would tell me not to put it on my my medical stuff on my sexual assault that I had because the doctors when I would, would be like, Oh, it's not real pain. It's, it's mental. She's insane. I almost got institutionalized because I had um, RSVD, which now is called CRPS uh, from a, another doctor who was very inappropriate, but that's another story for another time. Um, but when I was 16, I couldn't walk and they were like, Oh, you're insane because you went through bad things. It's not a real pain thing. So it, it took, um, yeah, they told my mom to institutionalize Drama, me for that. Real pain? 
Trauma. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a lot older than you. Um, so <laughs> it was a very different like mindset. Um, but I, I feel like it's still prevalent. I, I just feel like we talk more and like anything shameful once it sees the light, um, good things happen. Like shame thrives and bad things thrive in the dark. It never protects the right people. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't know that. So I'm glad that at least we've made some progress because I feel like it is more assumed that any kind of trauma is real pain. Um, but there is a huge stigma stigma with anyone who suffers from mental illness. So there's definitely a long way to go. You know, like I think I read that emotional abuse actually has more long-standing negative effects than physical abuse. Um, sexual assault is both a physical and emotional abuse scenario. Um, so that's just bewildering, honestly, um, that people wouldn't understand that emotional pain is. Well, if you think about it, no one, no one questions that you were robbed. Like no one goes, Oh, I don't know if you were actually robbed. No one questions if you broke a leg. They're like, Oh, you broke a leg. Like sexual assault is one of the only things I can think of or emotional, um, basically assault, um, is one of the only things I could think of where people question your reality at such a high level. Like I, I, even bullying, I feel like people believe Emotional you. Abuse, yeah, it's, that's even harder because that's how you prove someone emotionally abused you. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good gaslighting where you even start to question if you were emotionally abused. Like, the, the gaslighting is real. If enough people, if enough people contradict your, your feelings and your truth, then yeah, absolutely. And that's why talking about issues like this and interacting with other people who have undergone similar scenarios to your own is so powerful and helpful because it really helps secure your sanity, you know, and makes you just by making you feel less alone and allowing you uh, the space to share your story. And also showing you what's, what, what the world could be, what's possible. Like if you're in a closed circle some abuse can start to seem really normal or acceptable or that person was just born at this time. So don't take it so seriously. Um, yeah, that's personal experience there. Um, and it takes sometimes talking to other people to realize just how fucked up a situation can be. Yeah. Um, definitely. There was something that I, there's something we were talking about that, brought up some other idea that I wanted to touch on and I can't remember what it was. Um, I think you were talking about, you were talking about agency and creativity and commenting on how women are not, or I guess people in general, (laughs) um, but oftentimes, especially women are not valued or appreciated for other aspects of ourselves aside from beauty and physical appearances um and yeah that is so that is it's that is so frustrating um and very real and that's that was my first those were kind of my first thoughts um last week when 
I think three people, you know, like two people sent me nude photos and two people asked me for, asked me for nude photos. Um, and that was, that was my reaction. I was like, wait, hold on a second here. Like, I, do you mean to tell me that, you know, like my talent, my education, my, the scholarships I've received for my education, my test scores, um, how I carry myself, like my intellect, my thoughts, um, my soul, my spirit, like none of these matter to you, (laughs) you know, like, you know, um, and it's really degrading. Um, and I mean, it's, it's just hurtful and sad. Um, there's really no other way to say it, but it's, it feels like in that scenario, it felt like I was in a position where I was kind of like, well, what strategy can I use to win here? Because if I don't, if I don't look attractive, you know, right now I'm not wearing any makeup and I mean, I still think I'm attractive, but right now, like I am not wearing any makeup. My hair is in a bun, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very natural or whatever. And if I, I might be attacked for not wearing makeup or not wearing trendy clothes or not looking a certain way. Um, but if I do, then I receive more attention. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know. And also, or also like if, if a, if a woman does dress well and is perceived as outwardly beautiful, then they're automatically assumed to not have any kind of intellect or, you know, solely, solely exist as that visual object. Um, And that's also very frustrating. That's something that I experienced in college a lot because I would dress up a lot during university. And I think I, I did have some professors who automatically, like were shocked (laughs) that that I was able to formulate or have the capacity to think, um, uh, yeah, to just analyze certain novels or stories or write essays in the way that I did. Um, so I don't understand why they can't be coexisting, like beauty and intellect and any other um, quality about oneself can coexist harmoniously. Um, but that's, I think that's where we're at on a base level of our society is that they can't. <clears throat> I think at a base level of our society, we have decided that owners, owners of ovaries or those who present as female are commodity to be consumed by men. And I think that's a very visceral, unreal thing um, through the writings, through the music videos, through advertising, through TV shows. I think it's just a baseline of commodity um, to be bought and sold, which makes our souls and words secondary um, to the idea that we are bought and sold. And that's hard. I'm raising a 13 year old and that's the only way I can make sense of the tightrope we're supposed to walk of 
being attractive, not being attractive, being smart, not being too smart, being physically active, but only if it, and my husband was like trying to get it. He really was trying to get it. I'm like, I have the best way to make you get it. And I showed him girls life magazine cover and boys life magazine cover. And I was like, see for the boys, it's about adventure, about the self, about growing as a human, growing as a strong human, growing in interest and intellect. Here's girls life. And they're both they're both marketed to 12 through 13. Um, and the girl's life was, how do you look pretty? How do you get a boyfriend? How do you make your friends comfortable? It's all about making those around you comfortable and attractive to you and nothing about college. Like the boy's life was like, how do you set up your life to be in a good college to get your, what, what job do you want? And this was, what boyfriend do you want? What friends do you want? How do you, how do you commoditize yourself and package yourself? How do you audition as a wife? for the rest of your life. Like right now, ladies, think about how you present yourself to be a lady, to be charming, to make those around you feel good. And that stuff is real. Like we're taught from very young to take the temperature of a room for our personal and physical safety, as well as to make others feel better. And how to do that, like how much of our personalities are set around the idea that we're trying to make others comfortable. Yeah. And how much that- of our safety gets compromised by that? How much of our safety gets compromised by, if I say no to you, can I walk to my car afterwards? I've experienced that scenario so many times in a professional level. Um, not if I say no to you, will I get to my car safely? But if I, and it really, it does come back to power and control because there have been, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman who is a freelance actress and musician. And there are so many scenarios where I get hit on and there's like, I guess there's an overlap between professional and romantic or there can be. um, And so if someone hits on me in the music industry and I say no to them, then that there's the fear of, wow, well, well, will I continue to, can I have a career if I say, if I say, no, to the, if I say no to the wrong person, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to stop you there. Um, so we're at an hour. So tune in next week to part two of this conversation. Because I have a feeling we are not even close to being done yet. Um, so I'm going to, to just say like right now is where we're going to stop recording for this episode. And um, yeah. So tune in for next week. enjoying this podcast and Eva's podcast um, and need more of us head over to our Facebook group that's been really active and it's becoming a really beautiful community so a great place to go and tell us uh, what you think or what you want more of or just to hang out and chat with us if you also want some more we have a blog and you can head over to our website invisiblenotbroken.com kindest thing you can do for us is we have a patreon account this is all done out of Eva in my pocket so if you want to support us that'd be really great that's just not in your budget um the next best most wonderful thing you can do is leave a really embarrassingly nice review on apple podcast hit subscribe and share these episodes with your friends and with your community that'd be amazing and we are so grateful for that we are completely advertised through your word of mouth so thank you so much hope you enjoyed the episode be kind be gentle and it's never been more important in whatever way you can be a badass